You are listening to Boat Smart. It is a call-in show, 850-437-1620. We can take a call or text if you have anything you'd like to ask me about your boat. Maybe you have a question about my Marine service class or something about Georgetown Technical College or Key Marine. I'm more than happy to answer your questions today. Key Marine Center of Northwest Florida is our sponsor. Key Marine located at 5621 Byer Road here in Pensacola. The phone number, 850-492-0487. Key Marine Center com is the website you can go on there and uh, check out their specials i believe they're getting to you can check your services and things like that that they have on there so check out their website it's a really cool website to go to and uh that's just a great way to get in touch with key marine you can call them 850-492-0487 very seldom do they not answer the phone out there but uh if you do get a busy time and, and you leave a message they will call you back key marine center is your yamaha and mercury suzuki repower center Special discounted pricing on all Yamaha, Mercury, and Suzuki motors. I actually had someone uh, that we're going to talk about today that uh, bought a little engine from Key Marine over the week, and uh, we're going to install it over at our school. It's a little motor. It's a little 30 horse, and we'll talk about that and uh, why that came about and why he decided to buy a motor, you know, instead of fixing what he had. I do want to say this. Key Marine's customer appreciation discount is starting today, and it goes through January 8th of next year. So you have some time to, to save 20% off of labor on services. And right now is a good time to start thinking about that. We're getting it. I mean, it's hard to believe that we're already halfway through October. It's crazy. You're moving into November, yeah. you know, and then Christmas time, Thanksgiving, Christmas, the fair is coming. I think it's on the way. I don't know. I, you know, I'm not a big fair guy. I like to go out there one day, one day and watch people and eat something unhealthy and leave you know that's kind of me on the fair but the fair has a you know an impact on our on our uh you know our our area as well as people spend money out there and they stop thinking about maybe servicing their boat or they don't have you know so it's a good time now to start thinking about getting your boat serviced and ready for the next season which just like right now i'm talking about how october is here and, and 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 then november and december boating season will blast right back in there again you know and you need to be ready so with that 20 percent discount this is just a great opportunity mm-hmm. to save some money with key marine so i would take full advantage of that and tell them boat smart sent you tell them i sent you tell them jan sent you yeah. and uh you know get that discount and get get your boat ready for next season maybe you need that repower and it's a good time to do that as well so they are getting motors in on a regular basis and they can get motors you know at certain times and if you have a specific motor all you have to do is call out there and talk to dustin and dustin will say hey we can get that motor in this time frame or we may not be able to get this motor in this long time frame it just depends on what you need and they do have several in stock as well so right now would be a great time to start talking to them about that repower and that service that's for sure so uh, yesterday, I actually wasn't at school yesterday. I was, uh, I played hooky. What? Know. I'd planned something. We'd planned something for a lot, for about a month. So I actually put in for a day off and then the plans went down the tubes. <laughs> so sorry, I decided, okay, funny. we're going to change plans. And, you know, and it was with me and Jeremy daily, we we're doing some things and hanging out and I we're, we had plans with him to do some things out, out, you know, somewhere as as a little thing that he had planned for our church and that kind of fell through and then so i said well jeremy already took the day off so let's go take the boat out and of course yesterday you seen the weather so you know i ended up 
doing hospital visits with Jeremy. So that's what we did yesterday. So you never know. That's wonderful. You know, so they gave us a, uh, you know, I got a day off and I went ahead and took it. But the point is I had a substitute yesterday. Okay. And Bob Childers is uh, one of my subs and he's a great guy. He used to work at Georgetown. He retired and now he comes back as a sub. So he's still helping the school district and he's a substitute teacher now and he has the credentials to allow my students to work out in the shop and keep them going and things like that so i had sent you know i sent him a message yesterday and our talk actually talked to him i said hey do these things go ahead and do what did you learn go ahead and make me make a scenario and that kind of stuff and and i gave him some suggestions because he loved this guy loves watching my class i mean he gets so much out of it i'm like you should you know you should mm-hmm. come to my class he has a boat he lives on the water. He loves my class, and he loves my students. I mean, when I say love, I mean, he re- literally, he cares about my students. And when he's in there, he, he enjoys watching them learn or telling him what they've been learning. So he had a great time. So I sent him a message this morning, and I asked him how he was how last night went. And he told me that uh, everything went great last night. He said that uh, it went very well. Fired up a 250 on the dyno, so he was able to run an engine on the dyno. He uh, said that uh, the students were continue to work on their F-150 programs and was working on that as well. Uh, he said that some students were heartbroken because they had a motor that they were working on the F-150 and said it had no spark. Now, I'm going to have to go back and figure that one out. And it's kind of funny because we're talking about troubleshooting today. So he said they were heartbroken that the motor didn't fire up. And he, he doesn't have the credentials as far as t- teaching Marine Service. You, you know, he's, he's, he, he's not that type of credential so helping them troubleshoot is not going to work for him but you know so i'm gonna have to figure that one out with them when i go back and it's funny he said they're heartbroken and he talked about another student uh, a a lady student in my class who's working on a a small four stroke and putting it back together and he complimented her on how how smart she is and that kind of thing so that's that is just cool when my substitute teacher is is amazed by what we do over there even when I teach my students this. I say, when the, when your boss is not there, I kind of make a scenario or tell them when you're, when you're working somewhere and the boss doesn't show up, he has something going on or whatever, a meeting or maybe not feeling well, whatever, right? When your boss doesn't show up, does that give you an excuse not to show up and not do your job? It doesn't. And I treat my class the same way when I have a substitute teacher. I do my very best not to take days off, okay? And... When I have a sub, I try to get the very best subs that I ha- can that allows my students to continue to work so they're not bored and they're not sitting at the desk, you know, and working on computers mm-hmm. all the time. So I make arrangements to do that. And I tell my students, I say, if you're going to be absent, I want to know. If you're going to be late, I want to know. You should do that with an employer. I try to teach them those employability skills, correct? So I try to do that. And I actually, actually give them the benefit of, of that as well. So if I'm taking a day off, I let them know. A lot of teachers won't do that. They'll just take the day off and then you show up to school and you got a substitute teacher sitting at the desk. I turn around and let them know that I am not going to be there. So they knew for several weeks that I wasn't going to be there, you know, last night. And uh, so that was a lesson for them. Yeah. They showed up. They did their what they were supposed to do. 
and they were good for the substitute teacher. You know, I kind of like, y'all they better behave, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, but they were good for the substitute teacher, and uh, he was able to let them in the shop. So I try to make everything, you know, as good as I can for the sub as well as the student. So, you know, I want to thank Bob Childers for doing what he does and, and coming in and helping our classes. He not only substitutes for me, he, he well, I'm going to tell you this. He loves my class, but I think he loves culinary a little bit better. Well, Let's get some samples down there. <laughs> yes, so, you know, <laughs> but next time we have a cookout or something in our, in our class, I'll invite him to come in. He can, then he'll like us a little more. But yeah, and I appreciate Bob coming in and substituting for my class. And just, you know, it's just good to have that support. And uh, he was also there after my returning, after my motorcycle accident. He was there with me, helping me uh, when I was gone for several months. He came and I came in and I was a not able to work you know, every day full time. So he came in and was with me and he helped me through all that as well. So he's just a great guy. He loves what George Stone does. He loves, uh, doing, uh, the substitute and getting to see the other students and classes and stuff like that. So anyway, that's enough about Bob. His head's done swelled up and he won't be able to get out of the class today that he's subbing for today. I think he's down in, um, I think he is in one of our IT classes today. So that's where he's at today. So I hope he's listening. I sent him a link to that. So um, we were talking about uh, troubleshooting just now. I had mentioned that, okay, that student, they don't have spark on an engine or they think they don't. One of the things that we is, is kind of hard to uh, teach is troubleshooting. And it could be, I'm talking about troubleshooting anything related to the boat, the engine, the drive, uh, ignition systems, things like that. So troubleshooting is something that a uh, student, as they come up, they need to, to gain uh, knowledge of systems and things like that and to learn how to actually troubleshoot those systems. And it's funny as I watch students troubleshoot different things in my classroom, and we have what we call a USS Headache. It's a miniature boat. It's probably about eight feet long, and it's got all these systems on it, and I'm able to put faults in there. And I can't tell you what the faults are because it's all top secret. So the students don't know what they are. Because if I tell it on the radio, they might hear what the faults are and they won't be able to get that, you know, troubleshooting uh, scenario by troubleshooting it. So I don't want to mention, but I'll say we put one, I put one or two major faults in there that really give my students a run for their money. It gives them that headache. And we yeah. kind of joke about it. I say, okay, we got a headache board. If you go out there and you work on my headache board, you're going to get a headache and you're you're probably going to take a couple of days off because you're not going to feel well after you do it. It's very uh, intense if you go in there. I give them scenarios from very minor, and I'll start working my way up to hard troubleshooting. And when they troubleshoot these systems, you see different students go at it different ways. Now, I understand I give them a lot of information before. They understand the systems. They understand electrical and that. And it's funny that different students go at it different ways, okay? I had a, a student who's been in my class now about six weeks, and we've already went through electrical and stuff, and we're doing troubleshooting. And uh, he was working on my last one, and it's very difficult. And this, this scenario has issues across the board. You'll see weird things happen, lights that turn on that shouldn't, switches that turn on and things like that that shouldn't. And he was trying to troubleshoot it. So I walk over to him and I always check on him. I say, Hey, how you doing on this? He says, I don't know. He said, I'm, you know, I'm working at it. He says, it's just, this one's got me, you know? And I said, well, just keep at it. 
I said, use your schematics that we made. Think about the lectures that I had on troubleshooting and start thinking about it, right? So eventually it gets to a point where sometimes I have to go in there and give them some, some, you know, some uh, hints. And I said to him, I said, you know, I said, you have several problems, you know, symptoms of a problems, I guess is the way to look at it, but you have one problem causing all these symptoms. Hmm. So it makes them start thinking about that. So he's able to, with my, uh, you know, my hint to figure out what was going on with it. And again, I'm trying not to say what it is, you know, so he was able to repair that. And then he went back and he said, I got it. And when I went back and I went tr checked the system again, and we noticed that he had something different in the wiring and something wasn't working properly. It wasn't even a fault that I put in there. He actually had created his own fault by accident. And it's a lot of times when you think about that, okay, troubleshooting something, you can create a problem trying to fix a problem. If you, and, and it can happen with, to the best of us, you know. So he actually created a problem trying to fix a problem. So I was talking to him and I was trying to get him squared away on it. And I said to him, and I did this as a test. I, cause you could tell he's getting frustrated. And I said to him, he, and he's looking, he's scratching his head. He's trying to figure it out. And I said, I said, you created this problem. I said, it's nothing I put in there. It's something you did during your troubleshooting. I said, would you like me to fix it for you? And he looked at me and he said, yes. And I said, wrong answer. Oh. <laughs> you know, I said, you can do it. Okay. But I need you to think about it and I need you to go through it. And if you have to, to start from the beginning, I want you to go through and figure this out. And it took him a little while. And I think the lesson was that he, after he fixed it, I walked back over to him and he fixed it. And we went through the system. I said, so why did you tell me that you wanted me to do it? And he said, I was frustrated, you know, and he said, I felt like, you know, I couldn't do it. And I said, you know, you, you, you can't get frustrated with this stuff. It's electrical parts. It's me me mechanical parts. It's metal. It's plastic. It's all this stuff. It, it, it's not smarter than you. You know, if you just do the very basics and think it through, you can fix it. And he did. And I think a lot of times by a student breaking down to a point of, you know, ah, I just can't do this. And then encouraging them and helping them move through the troubleshooting sequence and they fix it. Wow. He was really happy about that. You know, and I, it, the technique of troubleshooting, different students have different ways of doing it. Different people do, different technicians. And some students underthink things. Some students overthink it, okay, when they're going into a system and they overthink it. And, and that can be detrimental to troubleshooting because a lot of times when you're troubleshooting, you really don't care about certain components as far as what the internals of them are, Okay. And an example of this is we're working on a 30 horsepower uh, Tahatsu. Okay, uh, my I have a female student working on this motor. It's, her name's Amelia. She's working on this motor, and she's sharp, sharp as a tack. And she's using a service manual. She's troubleshooting this engine that has no spark, won't start. When the customer brought the motor in. He was telling my service advisor, Gaines, he, he, when we talk about different positions, mm -hmm. I put students in. And Gaines, who, who is our service advisor and actually is our student of the month this, for last month, which is awesome as well. Aww. So, yep, he's, he did a, he's been doing a great job. The, the customer said to Gaines, I got a fuel problem. 
you know, my engine has a fuel problem. And when you think about troubleshooting, you, you get a lot of information from the, the customer and you try to use that information for your troubleshooting. So I said to the class, I said, do we listen to the customer and do we let the customer troubleshoot? In other words, is the customer leading you to a fuel problem? The customer doesn't know if he has a fuel problem or not. The customer is just guessing that he has a fuel problem. But do you allow that to lead you in the wrong direction? You, of course, consider that, but you still do the steps that you need to do. Okay? You're not going to say, okay, the customer said we have a fuel problem. That's what I'm going to go after. This one actually had an ignition problem. Okay? So Amelia's working on it, and she has a service manual out there, and I'm going over and checking on her and seeing how she's doing. And she's got the meter out. And, and the service manual for this motor, it's a little Tahatsu. It's a factory manual, but it is terrible. It's just, it's just, just giving you really good steps. It gives you, it gives you specifications. But it, and it gives you a troubleshooting tree that's very uh, not specific. So she's going through this, and she's testing everything. She says, I'm coming up with, I know the coils are bad. And I said, okay, the coils are bad, but we have no spark anywhere. I said, what's the chances of coils, all three coils being bad on this motor? Pretty slim that all three would go bad at the same time, unless something happened catastrophic and a battery hooked up backwards, possibly maybe a light, close lightning strike or something like that could possibly cause that kind of scenario, or they just go bad. So she ran through it and she said, these coils are bad. I said, okay, I'm going to run through it with you. And sure enough, the coils were bad. We had two bad, one on borderline. So we had three coils, two bad, one borderline. So I said, okay. Let's keep working here. We should have spark on one, you know, but we didn't. We had spark on none. So she went in and continued to troubleshoot, and she's tested everything uh, to the ECU, the, com the computer on the engine. So when you troubleshoot ignition systems, you basically troubleshoot in, and if everything going into the ECU or the power pack or the, the ignition module is good, and nothing is and, and going in, and then you have you test coming out. You can't really test the, the module itself. So what you're going off of is, okay, do I have the correct voltage going in? Do I have the correct voltage going out? So we troubleshot it, and she said everything looks good on the other side of this ECU, but our ignition coils are showing bad. I said, okay, let's throw a set of ignition coils on it because we know they're bad we got to fix what's wrong first right mm -hmm. so they go after it we put we order ignition coils and it was fairly expensive over 70 dollars a piece we put them on there went back through the system and no spark still so we went back through it again troubleshot it again and uh again she showed everything going into the ecu is good we have and we couldn't really tell if anything was coming out because we couldn't test that ecu but we know everything's going good and we know our coils are good 100%. So now here we are. Okay, we got a bad ECU. $1,400 for an ECU. And Amelia says to me, she says, how do you do this in the field? It's an expensive part. And when you have an expensive part, the technician starts think, thinking, second guessing, if you will. Right. Right. Because now you got to order an expensive cart, part to put on there. And if you do it and you're wrong, somebody's eating a part. And it's going to be the dealership or something because do it, if you if you did that, the right thing to do would be to say, I'm sorry, Mr. Customer, Mrs. Customer, 
you know, it wasn't that we're not going to charge you for that part. So she had the right idea thinking, wow, if we do this and we put a part on there and it's wrong, now we're in this thing at $1,400, right? So luckily I remember I had a Mercury over there with an ECU that fits the darn tots. I couldn't believe it. I said, so we believe it's wrong. And this is not always a scenario. You can't always go to the parts department and grab a part and come in there and check it. So you have to trust your troubleshooting. The technician does, right? So we get this ECU office Mercury, and I put it on there, and sure enough, spark, spark comes back, and the motor runs. So we know we got a bad ECU. We know we got a bad component. And during this troubleshooting procedure, I watched the student think through it all, and she was correct on everything that she was doing. It was just amazing to me to watch her do this, you know. And we called the customer, gave her the estimate, and $1,400 was like, wow, I got a motor that's 17 years old and it's really in good shape, but do I want to put that kind of money in that motor, which the motor realistically, if it's not running, it's not worth nothing, really 500 bucks. If it is running, it might be worth 1500. You know what I mean? So the scenario. So now what does the customer do at that point? Do they fix it or do they buy a new one? So we had a discussion with the customer during all this process. And I said, okay, so can you afford a new motor? That's another question. If you can't afford a new motor, then your option is to fix it, hopefully. You know, if you can afford to fix it and not buy a new one. Well, in his case, he decided, okay, it's 17 years old. I don't want to put this kind of money in an old motor and then have something else. And eventually, you know, things go bad on older motors. Have something else could go bad. A stator could bad, go bad or something like that or a lower unit, whatever. And now you got 1500 in it and you add another 1000 and pretty soon you're almost at a cost of a new motor. So he ended up, I ended up, uh, talking to him and, and he's buying a, a, a motor from key Marine now to replace it on that. But troubleshooting it's, it's a step-by-step process. And when technicians are troubleshooting, you have to trust your knowledge. You have to trust the, the specifications that you're getting and you have to trust the tools that you're using in order to troubleshoot something correctly, because you want to do it right. And, you know, if you put a part on there and it's 1500 or 2000 or whatever, and you're wrong, how do you handle that? And that's another thing you, we could talk about later, but you have to handle it correctly. You wouldn't tell the customer, oh, yeah, that part was bad and we got other problems. That would not be the right. I can't do that. I got to sleep at night. You know, mm-hmm. I would say, wow, we troubleshot this wrong. The good news is it's a stator, not this or whatever. You know, if you misdiagnosed it, you know. And you try to be honest with your customer. So in this scenario, we're going to do a new motor on it. And we're going to uh, do take out, maybe I'm going to try to get him to donate that motor to the class. And we'll have a good motor to run in the class. And hopefully it'll all work out. So troubleshooting. My students are learning that. They're walking through it. And uh, it's just a great time to see them troubleshoot stuff. And just the light bulbs go off in their head, you know. So, wow, we've already done a whole show. And I've talked this whole show. You believe that? So, all right. I want to thank Key Marine for sponsoring the show. Key Marine Center of Northwest Florida, located at 5621 Bar Road here in Pensacola. And I will be back next Friday to continue this conversation. News Radio 92.3, Stephen Smith with Key, Key Marine. Happy Friday the 13th, sir. I love Friday the 13th. I do, too. Ain't nothing to it. Ain't nothing but a thing. That's right. Coming up next is Frisky Friday. News. I'm Therese Crowley. 
protests erupting in the Middle East, Yemen there, and city to city as Hamas calls a day of jihad. Israel hits Gaza with missile strikes to root out Hamas members who carried out the slaughter of Israelis. Israel's defense minister is resolute. This is a war on the existence of Israel. By his side, Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin in Israel. America's support for Israel is ironclad. Heightened alert in American cities from L.A. to Boston, protests from college campuses to D.C. Florida Congressman Carlos Jimenez tells Fox Business. We won't be bullied and we're going to live our lives the way we normally live our lives, but we should be a little bit more uh, cognizant of what's going on around us. No credible threats reported in the U.S. America is listening to Fox News. Good morning, 1031 at News Radio 92.3. I'm David Wayne. Right now, we've got mostly cloudy skies. A little bit gloomy on your Friday the 13th at 64 degrees in Pensacola. The Escambia County School District is in line to receive over a million dollars as part of a multi-state vaping lawsuit settlement. Now, yesterday we told you about Okaloosa County Schools, how they were going to be getting $360,000. Well, Escambia County Public Schools is going to get a $1.2 million chunk of that uh, lawsuit settlement. The class action lawsuit was filed against e-cigarette company Juul for contributing to the teen vaping epidemic. They agreed to settle claims in 34 states and territories last September. One Santa Rosa County commissioner speaking about the treatment that he says he's received recently from county residents. I'm getting phone calls like threats. Let me tell you, these phone calls don't get you in trouble. Because when you start threatening me and tell me how I should vote, I will not vote that way. I'll vote the other way. District 4 Commissioner Ray Eddington, and he didn't go into detail on the threats he'd received, but he did say several residents have accused him of orchestrating what he called backdoor deals. He says he does talk with business owners about possible donations towards developments, but that's just in order to spend as few tax dollars as he has to. Uh, but he makes no promises in return, he said. It's 1033 at News Radio, and let's get a look at our Channel 3 weather. We are going to be seeing a cloudy day today with a chance of a few light sprinkles. Outside of that light rain chance, we are going to have temperatures near 79 degrees. Overnight tonight, temperatures dropping near 64 degrees. As you go into Saturday, a little bit of a warm-up before a cold front moves through. High near 85 on Saturday, mostly sunny skies. Saturday night, temperatures dropping near 57. For Sunday, highs topping out in the 70s with lows in the 50s. This is Brooke Richardson from the First Morning Weather Center. And right now, 64 degrees. It's mostly cloudy on your Friday the 13th here, 64 in Pensacola, 66 in Gulf Breeze, 64 in Milton. Our next news at 11. We do have breaking news anytime it happens. I'm David Wayne for News Radio 92.3. Informative, local, and dependable. I'm Jennifer Kashinka with your money now. Smartphone chip giant Qualcomm is laying off 1,258 California workers, according to documents submitted to the California Employment Deployment Development. The documents, known as war notices, were filed Wednesday. Overall, Qualcomm will deliver pink slips to 194 workers in the Bay Area and 1,064 in San Diego beginning in mid-December. Sales of non-alcoholic beer are soaring in the U.S. thanks to improved quality and taste. 
as well as generational shifts in drinking culture. For brewers, it's a welcome source of new growth and a focus area for investment. Shoppers in the beer aisle are encountering an increasing variety 